It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. So the Secretary of State and the Defense Secretary are in Japan and South Korea uh, this week. What does that mean? What about the issues in the Asia waters and broader in the Indo-Pacific region? America's alliances, America's interests. And for that, I'll turn to an old favorite, certainly on this show, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Davis, who joins me now. And uh, Colonel, great to have you here. It's great to be back, David. Thanks for having me. Let's dive right in. I mean, we saw the new shot yesterday, the camera shot of the of Anthony Blinken and Lloyd Wright. And, uh, you know, we also hear or at least have heard from Kim Jong-un's sister issuing threats against the Biden administration. I don't think there's anything new there for any of us. But let's talk about Asia, Japan, India, Australia. And uh, while you're an Army guy, the Navy does matter, and we're down a carrier uh, that matters with China growing its naval presence and outnumbering us as a larger Navy. Yeah, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of utility in, in this, uh, this, the quad on really a number of fronts, not just militarily, but diplomatically and, and economically. Uh, and, you know, you got to give some props to, to President Trump for you know, a lot of the grief he took in foreign policy. He's the one that revived this because it started back in 2004, but after 2007 kind of, you know, drifted off into irrelevance. But he, he put a lot of breath back into that, and, and Biden is just trying to build on what he started. And, uh, you know, it, it's starting off pretty good so far in terms of how they're cooperating with our allies. And, you know, it's not, not any surprise that all three of those other members of the Quad all have some sort of territorial disputes or trade war going on with China. So it's a lot better to, to you know, go at this together than it is for each one of these to, to, to deal with a rising China. And sometimes they're very authoritarian and, uh, you know, bullying tactics, especially with Australia in the, on the economic realm right now. There's a, there's a lot of benefit for us to join in with those. Yeah, let's talk more about the quad and for everyone listening, uh, Japan, India, Australia. And then you look, of course, at China, which is, you know, the big opposition, Australia being more aggressive towards China, especially around covid. Uh, You know, there was a meeting uh, between Secretary Blinken and uh, Chinese and his Chinese counterpart in Alaska prior to the trip. Did we learn anything from that meeting? Uh, my understanding is that's actually going to take place here in the next few days. I don't think we've actually had that meeting yet, but he's had meetings with a bunch of other of our allies in the region. I think he's going through there next. So I think we're still waiting to get a readout on that, but it's expected to be kind of tense because, you know, China's going into it with the expectation that they consider themselves to be in the dominant position and they're not looking to, you know, to back down from anybody. But it does show that it's at least on the positive side that both the United States and China are saying, hey, let's maintain some diplomatic talk and let's don't go too far into the military talk because that really doesn't help anybody. Well, it doesn't help anybody and or it brings out China's aggressive posturing, uh, questions about how they would act towards Taiwan. And then on the Chinese-India border, while it's small conflict in scope, it's important conflict going on between those two nations. Well, and that just kind of shows you that, that China, as they continue to evolve 
is getting a little bit more brash and a little bit more confident in their in their actions because it was a small issue, but it's also been going on for quite a long time. And, and of course, it's on the positive side that that China and India have been able to relatively effectively uh, resolve that dispute, and the, the, the temperatures is down. But it's only down; it definitely hasn't gone away. And you know, you still have the issues with China in in uh, Hong Kong, which is also a point of contention with really for all members of the Quad. And Japan itself has still territorial disputes with China. And after seeing that their willingness to engage even in small-scale military operations against uh, the disputes on the border with India, that's got to keep Japan up at night. And, you know, it gives even more motivation for this, uh, you know, burgeoning uh, alliance, if, if that's the right word. At least it's grouping at the moment. It's not physically an alliance. But, you know, there was last November a very large-scale naval operation of the members of the Quad along with Canada. And that certainly is going to get China's opinion or attention. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's echoes off, if that's the right term, Dan, but uh, I'll use that. Echoes of the Clinton years when it comes to the U.S. Navy and the reason SecNav at the time, Jim Webb, resigned. Uh, my uncle, my godfather, another senior officer saying, this is wrong what you're doing to the Navy. And while we've improved platforms and multi-platform capabilities, uh, you know, we're down a carrier. China's growing. The waters matter for commerce. They matter for projection of force. Uh, And, you know, when you take a look at what's going on there, China's looking ahead. And if we don't advance and continue to grow, and China does, eventually that tilts the balance. Yeah, and, and the, you know, it's a fine line in there because we also don't want to get into a, a, an actual arms race where we keep ratcheting up each side going up the other because that almost, you know, very often has a tendency to spark the very kinds of conflict you seek to avoid. But there's no way around it. I mean, you can't say, yeah, we're just going to stay static while we see our potential adversary growing in areas around our territories uh, and, you know, and, and our allies. So, unfortunately, it's just part of the the reality of today that we have to maintain a very robust and modern and modernizing uh, Navy and Air Force, of course, as well. But let's pivot out of there for a moment, because it's rarely ever kept in one area in this sense. If China continues to advance in the Asia region... That example, if we withdraw or and I'm not look, I'm with you. Arms races are dangerous areas to be in. But when America is weaker, others act. And if you look at the Mediterranean, for example, which is a complex and crowded waterway, to say the least, with so many parties involved, there is Iran and Iran and China work together. And at times, Russia plays a role depending on its sovereign interests. So what happens in Asia could be reflected in the Mediterranean, right, in those waters, or maybe even in the North Sea, where both China and Russia have their own interests. Right, yeah, and, and you really hit the nail on the head there, is each of these nations have their own sovereign interests, and only to certain extents will they cooperate or work against our interest in some of those very areas. Uh, the real thing, the, our number one overall priority is to keep free and open uh, lines of communication, whether it's sea locks or, or in the air communication or, or lines 
We need to keep freedom of navigation completely open so that commerce can flow free throughout the world, of course, and to avoid war. So there's, it's just it's getting more difficult these days to find the balance between keeping peace and not militarizing situation that could actually spawn those things. And it's, it's a tough game because you have, you know, the, the Russian Navy is also modernizing. Obviously the Chinese Navy is, is on a, you know, breakneck pace to do that. And we have to maintain all that. And the destructive power keeps rising up there. So the cost of getting on the wrong side of that balance could be catastrophic for us. Cause the last thing we need to do is to get into any kind of military an actual war, naval war, to where we can lose a lot of our naval assets, we need to keep those things on the def- or on the, the side where we defend our interests and keep the waterways open, but don't tip the balance to go into a war because that would be, again, it'd just be catastrophic for us. Does it concern you uh, when you hear the manner in which Anthony Blinken warned of U.S. pushback to Chinese coercion and aggression, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong? Uh, Tibet, for example, uh, human rights issues uh, in in various areas of China. You know, our perspective, and I I believe in diplomacy, right? Soft power combined with other elements, right? We want all the instruments of national power to be at hand. We're increasing our debt. We've just added, you know, another 1.9 trillion over 10 years, much of which China will buy, others buy as well. So we've got that issue. We've got the military issue. We've got all of this coming together. And, you know, soft power doesn't necessarily mean soft action or statements. China, on the other hand, is aggressive. The Communist Party is aggressive and they don't they recognize, but they don't respect and they do react when others are weaker and fall into that soft statement, soft power approach. Yeah, I mean, they do. I mean, you can just you can just see increasing evidence of it here. But that raises the, the importance of, of the diplomatic power. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because, you know, the so-called soft power doesn't mean soft in terms of you know, being easy on the opponent. To the contrary, you know, those soft power can be very coercive in some ways, very, very convincing that to, to give the other side motivation not to go in a direction where it would eventually be in our, you know, mutual uh, disadvantage. So it's critical that we continue on that, that strong diplomatic uh, move and, and also working on the economics, because that's a, just as important you know, to keep trade going back and forth, because that that also helps our country, all of which can be underpinned or needs to be underpinned by a strong, capable deterrent from the U.S. military. Well, foreign policy has always been a part of it. But I think with this change in administration, a lot of concerns about uh, the doctrine and what it will be. Lieutenant Colonel Dan Davis, always a pleasure, Dan. Keep up the good work. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 866-95-PATRIOT. You can weigh in on my social media, David Webb Show, and I'll be right back. You can join me live on the David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.